Welcome to Not Just Pretty Pictures, a podcast that celebrates the written word, the art of storytelling, and the writers who write those stories. I'm Eric Rutherford, and I will be reading these stories of triumph and truth, detailing the journey behind the pretty pictures, with a hope to uplift along the way and find the commonality between us all. Today's piece is by Sharon Stone, the award-winning actress, sex symbol, mother of three, and Nobel Peace Summit award-winning philanthropist. The Beauty of Living Twice by Sharon Stone. The lessons of my second life are of recovering from loss. The loss of all things we call dear, my father, my three closest friends, my marriage, my health, the custody of my son, my career, my financial stability, one might say my identity. The grief and sense of failure that this has caused was terribly, awfully overwhelming. The thing is, I didn't. I didn't lose. In Buddhism, one comes to learn and understand that complete emptiness has to come before renewal can happen. Not 59% emptiness, but total, complete transparency and full disclosure. This is what Richard Gere was talking about with gone, 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 completely gone, enlightenment. This is where we become cleansed and renewal can begin. In my case, there was a total sense of going, 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 gone. And with that, a coming of light. Our parents will pass on. And not at all when we are ready to or not busy. I was busy. It's true. But guess what? Too bad. We will at some point lose our friends, and sometimes it will be horrific and sequential. In Hollywood, there is a legend that we die in threes. When one person dies, we all become paralyzed, waiting. I lost three women in just a few years. With the trauma of going through cancer with my warrior women, I feel like I get how war buddies must feel. You just can't explain it. It was so awful and so deep, and bonding all at the same time. For me, the first had been Marge. I didn't know Marge at all when we found ourselves standing in a circle of Hollywood's elite. It was the Oscar hopeful party for Casino that Susie and Harold Becker had thrown for us. It was so glamorous, buzzing with excitement. There was a kind of oval of coolness with Marge at the far end. She was being quite funny, and I'd heard she was a key writer for Seinfeld. I said to her as we were all throwing out jibs and jabs, Hey, what's with the bald head? To which she threw back, cancer. There was a pall of silence. We never broke eye contact. The rest of the oval shirked it off and we started laughing like idiots. I said, wow, that is so interesting. I want to write a movie where I play death. Who wants to quit because nobody likes her? And you must think about dying all the time. You want to write it together? That was it. We were inseparable. You might think we wrote a great script, but no, she just proceeded to die. And I became one of two primary caregivers. The other being Kathleen Archer, who was a woman from Marge's neighborhood who noticed that Marge wasn't walking her dog anymore and came by to see why. We became a team and best friends for a time, a good and valuable time. We went through some amazing times. The worst of those were the funniest. I don't know how Kathleen and I did it. My mother was such a big help. 
She had lost her closest friend, Elsie, to cancer back in those silent C-word days and never had another friend like that again. She understood. My mom made the lemon meringue pies that Marge wanted on Oscar Day. Marge couldn't eat anymore, but she wanted to see them, to smell them. We took them over and I got into bed with Marge to watch TV. Suddenly the people on TV were going into the Oscars and I realized that I was supposed to be there. I was nominated. Holy shit, Marge, I have to go, I screamed out. You, 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 always you, she said with a laugh. As I ran out, shoes in hand, mom running after me. In the days leading up to the Oscars, Vera Wang and I had been working on a couple of dresses. We were experimenting with fabric and failing with some, winning with others. Ultimately, it came down to two dresses. One of them didn't work because the fabric went kind of sideways, which was funny for us and creative. And we had the backup dress, which did work. So Vera finished the winner and FedExed it out to me. It arrived the day before the Oscars, but as the driver took it out of the truck, it fell off the back and for some unknown reason, he backed over the box. It broke open as it happened and he drove a big black tire track all the way up the front of my pink Oscar gown. I just picked it up and went inside, sat down and cried. I then called Ellen, who did all the costumes for Basic Instinct and all of Michael's other movies. Ellen came and looked at the dress and at me and at the situation. I was presenting two Oscars with Quincy Jones. I was nominated. We just stared at each other. Okay? Go and get all your favorite things out of your closet, Ellen said. Black tie, I asked. No, just your favorites. So I go and I got a whole lot of black clothes, that Johnny Cash impulse again. I put them all over my bedroom floor and Ellen started making them into outfits. We ultimately picked a ready-to-wear Valentino long black skirt, the now infamous Gap turtleneck, and a Giorgio Armani long black silk velvet tuxedo dress, which I opened and wore as a coat over all of that. I took a gardenia from my garden as my boutonniere and my dad as my date, which seemed to make everything okay. This thing, this turn of events, seemed not only to free me, but to free my inner artist. To know I was there not because of a dress or because of the show, but because of my work. I felt more grounded in that gap turtleneck that I had in a lot of other hard-to-carry dresses. It taught me that comfort is the most important step to style. The best part of this is that I did it with my friends. First with Vera Wang, who I started working with at the beginning of my career, and in the transitional parts of hers when she moved from doing solely bridal to fashion. Then Ellen and I created a new kind of Oscar fashion together and had fun and made a panic into an adventure. All of this was a time when two of my friends were dying of cancer, when all of our friends were pulling together on everything. Even the Oscar days were kind of a moment that was deeper in meaning for this sense of women moving together and making the big little things into acts of grace. A few months after the ceremony, I was on the phone with Kathleen and the operator broke in. I have an emergency call for Kathleen or Sharon. We knew this was it. Kathleen said, let me take it. I did. I had to go somewhere. I don't remember where now, but on the way back up my street, my convertible, I looked in the rearview mirror and Marge was sitting in my back seat. And then she was gone. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Sharon for sharing your story. Your heartache and your heart beautifully filled each page, bringing us behind the pretty pictures of Hollywood and showing us the real truth of your journey. In the next episode, 
Join Sharon and I as we talk about putting the unforgivable in a cage, learning to give and get good hugs, plus that iconic moment when she wore the Gap Mock turtleneck to the Oscars and what her mother whispered to her in the car as she drove away. Not Just Pretty Pictures is hosted by me, Eric Rutherford, produced by Courtney and Phineas of Stereotype Studio, supported by you, the listener. A big thank you to our friends who shared their stories with us. If you want to support the show, please subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.